I'm not very spontaneous. <laughs> I like structure. And so I wasn't going to leave this job because it was the most money I had made up to that point. I didn't hate the job as much as some other jobs I'd had. And so I'm like, this is what being an adult is. This is as good as it gets. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to I've Been Better. I'm your host, Susan Youngstead. Uh, We are now recording season six, which is incredible for me. And I hope that we have been able to hang on to a handful of listeners from season one. If you've been with us since the beginning, thank you so much. If you are new here, I've Been Better is a podcast where we turn on the mic for others to share their stories with the world. And we hope that you enjoy hearing from some of the guests that we have on. Today, I have a very special friend who I've been so excited about having on this podcast because as we were talking before we started recording today, uh, Tyler has been known as our emotional support friend for a very long time. We were just reminiscing about how we would be at parties in college and after college where we would find each other in the corner and talk about our feelings. So I'm very excited to have Tyler on today because I think he's going to be a wonderful guest and a wonderful addition to the podcast. So welcome to Tyler Sherlock. Hey. Hey, hey. Glad to be here. Yeah, I'm glad to have you. And Tyler got to witness uh, my partner Josh's coffee skills this morning, so he's getting the whole treatment over here. Excellent. Tastes amazing. Perfect. (laughs) Let's bolster Josh's ego a little bit more about his coffee skills. So let me tell y'all a little bit about Tyler as a professional. Tyler is a graphic designer specializing in magazine layout for the N2 company based out of Wilmington, North Carolina. He has a passion and a natural gift for art since he was old enough to hold a pencil. And y'all, let me tell you, we are going to put a link to an adult coloring book that he has on Amazon that is wonderful. If anybody is into coloring sea creatures and, you know, y'all can y'all know what coloring books I'm talking about, but they it's beautiful. The art is just beautiful. And he also does commissioned paintings when he's not doing graphic design. He currently resides in Fort Mill, South Carolina with his wife, Rachel, who was a previous guest on this podcast and their puppy, Mowgli. Tyler enjoys spending time with his loved ones, working out, cooking, and of course, listening to podcasts. Welcome, Tyler. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. How is um, your art going? So I haven't done a painting recently i've been pretty content with my graphic design work but um when freelance work comes along it's it's a nice surprise i i don't really seek it out but i do think i might start looking more okay well i'm gonna i'm gonna come for you because do you see this lovely y'all can't see this is a (laughs) horrible thing to do on a podcast but we have a picture which i've talked about a long time ago of my male cat in regal garb (laughs) Uh, it's not done it's not done by anybody we know but it was done off etsy and now i'm like oh we should have gotten tyler to do that yeah that would have been wild yeah no i'm game yeah perfect we'll do it tyler tell us a little bit more about yourself other than what you do for a living uh well so we my wife and i rachel we bought a house in fort mill as as you mentioned a little over a year ago and uh, that's been fun being a homeowner. Yeah, it's um, new construction too, right? So mm-hmm, totally yeah. different. Very fun. Good. Yeah, uh, I love working out. That's definitely part of my my overall way to take care of myself. Yeah, um, keeps me grounded. Um, we are going to Mexico for a <gasps> destination wedding uh, fun. this summer, and I never. We never do things like that. Yeah. 
Uh, so that'll be fun. We're making like a whole vacation out of it. Staying oh a whole gosh, week. So fun. Yeah. Now that, you know, oh my gosh, we've been seeing all those memes, right? When this comes out, I, it'll be a little delayed on this y'all, but you know, the crisis in the world that we have. So there's all those memes saying like, oh, you survived two years of COVID only to enter World War Three. <laughs> so, oh yeah. Welcome. It's like one thing after another. I know. Well, so a little history about Tyler and I for our listeners. We've known each other since college. Both of us went to NC State. I went to NC State. You did not go to NC State. I wanted to. You wanted to go to State. Remind me, what, when did you move here? All right. So this... Yeah, yeah I need this, the rundown. Okay. This is definitely part, part of my story. Um, so I did get into NC State. I was tra- I tried to transfer there. The problem was I actually did not make it into their design program. That's right. So I did end up I went up going to UNC Charlotte and finishing my four years there, and then I moved to Raleigh because I had friends here. Yeah. And I was like, well, okay, I don't go to NC State, but whatever. That's, I think that's why I'll I sit here and assume you did. Because when did you graduate Charlotte? Because I acted like I did. You did act like you did. When did you graduate Charlotte? 2012. That's, and that makes sense because a handful of us graduated in 2014. So you were here already when we were still in school. Yeah, so I was working while you guys were still in Woo-hoo! school. Last day of class parties over here. I remember this very well. Okay, clearly I like assumed you attended state, right? This is where my memory is. Well, I went to all the tailgates. I mean, I acted like I did. Yep, state fam for life. So you were at Charlotte. What did you major in in Charlotte? So my major was illustration. Okay. Which, that was a big reason I chose Charlotte. There's only two schools in North Carolina that have illustration specifically. Wow. It's ECU and Charlotte, and I went to both. Wow. I transferred a lot for some reason, which is makes college very difficult to have to reapply. Yeah. Well, yeah. and to have to make like to maintain a sense of stability. I yeah. can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. So you went to ECU first? Yeah. So first year of college was ECU. I think I just wasn't really ready yet. I was only seventeen. It was six hours from my parents and yeah. I just was kinda homesick. So I actually moved back to Asheville and went to community college for a year, got my associates. And I figured if I get my associate's degree, that will definitely make me more competitive to try to get into NC State. Yeah. And the thing with NC State is their design program is, um, one, it's hard to get into. Yeah, it's like what is ranked very highly, correct? Yeah, okay. and, I, and I made it really far. I mean, there were multiple cuts, and I made it to like the last point. And then I don't think I got in because my resume was, my uh, portfolio wasn't very diverse okay there's a lot of painting and drawing and they wanted everything digital sculpture you know so are they like a generalist program is that a yeah okay and so i kind of went completely the other direction with charlotte and went very specific yeah and i figured okay drawing and painting is what i've done my whole life so illustration it, it makes sense yeah it made the most sense absolutely did you like the program i did like the program but if i'm being completely realistic doing majoring in graphic design probably would have made more sense yeah job wise that makes sense i mean i can imagine there's not a lot of illustration jobs it's yeah Yeah. well it it lends itself to a freelance lifestyle but i wanted i wanted to be with a company no more corporate with a salary and And benefits benefits. (laughs) yes and someone who pays my taxes (laughs) yeah exactly and then i didn't realize till maybe junior year of college that that is not what this program's going to lend itself to at all. Wow. And you most likely will need to move to LA or New York. Somewhere where the money is. Mm -hmm. And even then it's going to be so competitive. It's like saying, oh, I live in LA and I'm an actor. 
Okay, but are you a working actor? Right, right. <laughs> How is it going? Because it's just a very saturated market. Oh, I think I think I, I realized that now that you say that, but I wouldn't have thought about that. I'm like, oh yeah, illustration. You do that. You did that your whole life. That makes sense, but not for a job. Well, and it's and you realize like people say that I'm talented and I appreciate that, but there are a lot of talented people. Yeah. And with social media and the internet and everything, like everybody's out there. They all are fighting for it. Yeah. And yeah, that, that was kind of a rude awakening when I graduated college. And I was like, this is uh, not going to be easy to find a job. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about what got you into art. You, mentioned that you've been drawing and painting for majority of your life. Yeah. So just like any little kid, I would color and everything. And did you love to color? Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah. Uh, me- I hated coloring as a child. Oh, see, I was like the the weird kid that rather just like sit in my room at the table and, and color. And my sister Allie was the same way. Wow. And she's, yeah, your family's very artistic. She's very talented <laughs> yeah. too. And yeah, I'd rather be coloring than, you know, whatever, playing sports or something. Wow. I played with dinosaurs and Barbies. I was very like, I'm going to play house more than I was going to sit and draw. Uh, well, we did a, we did a both. <laughs> we drew in the house. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we had quiet time at the house. And so did your family, were they pretty supportive about your interest in art? Was this something that they also supported or so funny story my mom didn't realize that i was any better at drawing than any other little kid so you can draw yeah so my our neighbor at the time she was like joanne look at my kids drawing and then look at tyler's and my mom was like oh they're pretty different yeah tyler's like it actually looks like a person it's not just like a blob with some eyes yeah and so ever since that realization uh they my parents took like full control of wow. of embracing it and i had private art lessons that's amazing and i think uh, yeah i'm pretty sure ali did too and yeah they really catered to it yeah well and your sibling like we just said your family is very creative are your parents uh artistic in any way no <laughs> so they missed the gene and then it went all to your siblings and you yeah there's i would say my mom's mom was kind of crafty yeah like she made uh one year for Halloween, she made an entire green Power Ranger outfit for me from scratch. Oh wow. That's pretty that is talented. Neat. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. I never had my grandparents were older and then also not crafty in any form. Neither were my parents. So I think that's so fascinating. Yeah, the kids that like had their costumes made and stuff. That's so cool. And then yeah. your sister can sing? Yeah, and she's not a bad yeah. uh painter either. She's wow. she can draw. This is wild. Yeah, Hannah got got both because yeah. like, I can't sing. She got the whole gamut of artistic mm-hmm. ability. Yeah, and I bet my brother's probably not even bad at drawing either. I don't know, but just hasn't tried. He or has he... no interest in it, but he's probably <laughs> yeah. better than average. That's I, if wild. I had to guess, that's so amazing. So your family fully embraced your artistic ability. Did you always know that's what you were going to do for a living, or was there a part of you that thought that was just a hobby? Uh, well, I would say leading up to college i always thought that's what i'll do yeah that's what i'm good at and it really was like i i'm not really a jack of all trades or anything yeah. so that was kind of my one thing well, you like honed in you're like i'm good at art right. i'm gonna do that and it was and it was very obvious but it, when i did graduate college and 
did struggle to find an art job, that's where I started hitting a point where I was like, this isn't going to happen. Like this, I can get some freelance jobs here and there, but it will never be enough to support me to live off. Yeah. And, and I did switch career paths completely. I mean, when I lived here in Raleigh, almost the entire time, I was not in the art field at all. Yeah. What did you do while you were here? (laughs) So my, after not being able to get a job out of college for a few months, I finally did get a job in Raleigh, um, as it was like a, a research analyst yep. for a background screening company. And all of it's coming back to me now. It's like Celine yeah. Dion. I'm like, it's all coming back. Got yeah. It. And, and I, you know, I was like, well, this is definitely different, but I think I could do it because I am very analytical and I'm, I research everything. It's just kind of mm-hmm. my, mm-hmm. my natural way. Like if I know we're going to a restaurant later, I will look up the menu before I go. I've done the older I get, the more I've done that. I'm like, I need to know what food there is, yeah, what I will eat. Yes, exactly. That's how always how I've been wired. So I'm like, I could do this, yeah. and I need a job. Did you interact with a lot of people at that job? No. Interesting. I mean, it, it was in a cubicle with with coworkers, but yeah. you're yeah. you're staring at a computer screen and and you're doing your research and and you know i i stare at a computer screen now for my job uh but i'm doing something i love now and yeah. then it just that job was not a good fit the only good thing about it was i met my wife there yeah <laughs> and so that i mean i can only imagine that that sucked the life out of you it it did yeah i uh i would say for that 3 3 to 3 and a half years however long it was i lived for the weekend or 5.30. I just wanted to get out of that cubicle. It, I was kind of miserable. And it it also just sort of... It made the rest of my life not very healthy or productive. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you're living for 5.30 or the weekend, more than likely what you're living for is drinking mm-hmm. and partying, which is not... Uh, you know, and yes, you're in your mid to you know later 20s or like mid-20s at this point, right? So unfortunately very acceptable by the society that we live in to like live for the weekend and live till Friday at 5 30 to get off and drink but how is that helping you advance yourself you know professionally and as a person if that's what you're doing yeah it wasn't I was just going through the motions and then saying okay well I'm gonna live it up this weekend hang out with my friends like fuel that tank and it probably didn't help that all you guys were still in college. Yes. So I was like, well, I'm still in college too. <laughs> right. Well, I just don't go to class. It's fine. <laughs> I just have a day job and have to be at work by 830, but whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But I'll go out on Wednesdays. Run runners. And, fine. And we did. And oh man, I was probably a zombie every day at work. Yeah. So it didn't, like you were saying, like it's a job you hated. Not at first, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, hate's a strong word. I'm using it. I mean, I was able to do it for three plus years, so it wasn't that bad, but no, it wasn't my calling. Yeah. Definitely not. Yeah. And so how would you have like described yourself during that time? Um, well, I was probably not the best employee uh, just because I don't, I don't know how to be good at something that I hate. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that many people do. I feel like that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I love my, the one really healthy thing about my life at that time was my friend group, including you. And so I leaned on my friends a lot and I mainly would see them on the weekends 
hence the live for the weekend part. And, you know, I had a good social group, but funny thing is a lot of, a lot of things that keep me grounded now, I was neglecting. I, I didn't work out at all, really. Uh, the majority of the time I lived here doing that job, which is weird because I've been lifting weights since I was like 12 years old. That is weird. I've always enjoyed that. That's always kept, yeah. kept me in a healthy mindset and I just didn't do it. Yeah. And uh, I also wasn't really doing any art. Yeah. At all. I wonder if it, it seems like you, and maybe you didn't realize this at the time, but looking back was your life like on hold. You're like, okay, I'll just do this thing until I get somewhere else. Kind of, yeah. I, I didn't really have, like, the college experience with, like, partying and f- a lot of friends the way a lot of people do. So I kind of did it after college Yeah, with y'all. Yeah, yeah you had college 2.0. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I think that's partially because I kept transferring. So it's hard to, like, feel at home when you do that. Yeah. Why did you come here anyway? Like when you left Charlotte, what brought, was it friends that brought you here? Yeah. Yeah. yeah like I, we were here. Yeah. Yeah. And so you came here, you get this job that pays the bills. It does the minimum, right? It's secure, yeah. but you're miserable. Without the secure is a good word. Yeah. I'm, I'm not very spontaneous. <laughs> I like structure. And so I wasn't going to leave this job because it was the most money I had made up to that point, I didn't hate the job as much as some other jobs I'd had. Yeah. And so I'm like, this is what being an adult is. This is as good as it gets. Isn't that wild? We're like 26 and we're like, this is it. This is what my parents do. This is what adults do. It's time to pull myself up by my bootstraps, you know, not to use this really outdated adage, but, and just suck it up. Yeah. And it was, I was disappointed, though. I'm like, man, being an adult sucks. Yeah, like, who told me to do this? Yeah, it, it, but I figured, okay, this is, you know, I, I'm paying all my own bills, not on, not on mommy's phone plan anymore. Like, <laughs> this is what I'm, th- I'm doing it. Yeah. I'm doing it. Uh, but I don't enjoy it that much. Yeah. And you're like, <laughs> so is this it? Yeah. So, like you said, you weren't going to leave. How did you get out of there? What Talk to us about that period of your life, because as you said, you've found you know you met Rachel through that job and we love Rachel and it sounds like you would say you're much happier now oh absolutely yeah so walk us through what has happened uh well so Rachel and I were good friends at that time when we worked together she left this job way before me right she was I don't know how long she was there like a year and then she said okay I'm too good for this (laughs) and was out (laughs) and she's right I mean she made moves I was too scared to do that uh so what basically happened with me is everything kind of came to a head. I I had a series of things happen to me and very close together. Um, I remember I got a DWI and then a few months after that, the girl I was dating at the time broke up with me and I don't really blame her. And... <laughs> And, and like we're happy for that now. Yeah. And then a few months later I finally got fired from from this uh stable comfortable job of mine. So did your life just snowballed. Yeah. Yeah, like out of your control. Yeah. And for someone who really feels like they need to be in control all of those things happening all within like a year it just really rattled me. Yeah. I can remember 
that time. And I remember seeing you over at our other good friend's house often. And then when oh, it was... I couldn't be alone. No, it was one thing after another and then another thing. And, you know, the, again, that for old outages today, it all comes in threes. It, it just all fell apart. Which, again, looking back, it can make sense that it all fell apart. Yeah, I, yeah, I like, lived at their house for weeks because yeah. I just... Yeah. It it was better than being stuck with my own thoughts and and reflecting on basically what I had done with my life and yeah. the disappointment I probably was to my parents and mm. and it's just hard to pick yourself up at that point. I'm like, okay, so newly single, I don't have a license and I'm unemployed. Yeah, you're like I'm a great catch. <laughs> yeah, what do yeah. I do with that? Um, but you know, I I licked my wounds and then was like, start applying to jobs. Yeah. If you feel comfortable to share more, you know, I I can tell that that was, like you said, a very painful and I don't know what word I want to use that makes more sense here, but a painful part of your life. And I can remember being around for that. And I will say as somebody who works with a wide variety of individuals who have diagnoses or have been through things that are very stereotyped in our society of like people who get DW or DUIs and have these issues that come up in life like breakups and then they're unemployed. I mean, you don't fit the mold for that. Like no one would have looked at you on the street and been like, wait, you are these things that I judge people for being and having and doing? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I really just think the DWI was just a terrible lapse in judgment. Yeah. Like, there's not much else to say. It was just a bad decision. Yeah. Like, everybody was even surprised. They were like, what are you doing? That was stupid. I I think I was a little entitled back then. And so, I felt like... Invincible. I was untouchable. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, well, people drive intoxicated all the time and get away with it. And I, you know, I'm just going to the gas station. And, And it was stupid. It was just a... Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like you have the aware, uh, awareness for those of us that might be a little more on the ignorant side of like what the difference is between a DWI and a DUI? Well, I actually looked, I checked this, double checked this before this podcast to <laughs> like, I will know for Susan's So a, a DWI is driving while intoxicated and then a DUI is driving under the influence. To my understanding, I think a DUI is more drug related typically like it, 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 it encompasses more right like you yeah. can use it okay that makes sense and if someone has a problem with what we've said please like correct us neither one of us work for law enforcement yeah, I, but, could, I could be wrong yeah but, okay but that makes sense so dwi would only be alcohol. intoxicated from alcohol okay that's helpful i think yeah yeah so that was a that must have been such a low moment because like you said like we in our 20s most young 20 year olds believe that they are invincible and untouchable especially if they've never been held accountable for any actions like this and like you said you didn't really feel like you were doing a whole lot wrong driving to the gas station after drinking right right? Right. it's not like you were racing a car down the street right yeah and for someone who's always knows their next move it was really just out of my character yeah i remember that was like the first thing my dad said he i called them to tell them and he was like that doesn't even sound like you yeah i'm like i know i don't i don't know yeah Yeah, did you feel like like and typically we assume individuals who get these sort of infractions struggle with alcohol use. Did you feel like you met that definition at all? Well, at that time, probably. Yeah. 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 I mean, I probably was drinking too much at that time, for yeah. sure. 
I think most of us were. I was, I was depressed, I think. You think? I think. Yeah. We could probably <laughs> safely guess. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm sure it was an unhealthy coping mechanism. Yeah. yeah. So you get the, the DWI, have to pay a lot of money, lose your license. Mm-hmm. Is that part of the reason we lost our job? Like, were we just so da- down that we c- couldn't show up anymore? Yeah. So being, being a background screening company, they- <laughs> They're going to find you. They knew right away. So I I came into work that Monday morning, and HR was like, come into our office. I'm like, wow, that didn't take long. (laughs) You're like, wow, I went two days. (laughs) Yeah, and so she was like, so you have a fun Saturday night? And I'm like, wow, okay. They must have, like, tickers on their employees or something. They do. Yeah, Yeah, they would track our license. Wow. They were um, illegal. (laughs) I guess so. I'm sure I signed something saying they were allowed to do that, but they were um, very micromanage like, scare tactic type of job. Yeah. So they loved that they could hold this against me, I'm sure. Right. Um, it, they did not fire me for it, but I feel like I was on thin ice at that point, and I was so rattled. Yeah. I couldn't focus mm. at work. It, I just, I kept this loop in my head of overplaying, like, just how terrible that was. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I do think my work performance just got worse and worse and worse. And they were a scare tactic type of company. So they were like, hey, one more mistake and you're out. Oh, God. And then, you know, I make that one more mistake. And why wouldn't you? It's like thinking about the, oh, my God, I can't think of words in this moment, which I feel like really happens a lot for y'all listening. So I apologize. But it's like someone standing over your shoulder when you're trying to take a test being like, oh, don't get that one wrong. It was exactly like that. So intimidating. Yeah, and we were even timed when we were doing our research, so I would see this little timer in the corner, and that totally messed with my head, too. Psychologically, that has to not be beneficial. Right. This is what I need Rachel for. I need Rachel to tell me if that's how good employees... (laughs) That's if that's what we do for good employees. Yeah, yeah, it was not good, and uh, there was a lot of overtime, so it Mm -hmm. it, it was long hours, uh, some of it was man- uh, mandatory, some of it wasn't, but I mean, I was hourly, so time and a half had its appeal. Especially after you have to pay for a Espe- lawyer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're like, I will work everything, but I'm miserable. So it's just like tacking on over and over again. And then is it during in between this time that you said the breakup happened? Like DWI first, then breakup, then job? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, a, a few months later, she she was out and... Yeah. Yeah. Again, you know, it's unfortunate, but I think again, when we're young, we don't know how to support people in these situations and we may not even want to look at it when it's happening. We're like, your life's falling apart. I don't want to deal with that. Well, and that was another thing I wasn't willing to leave. We weren't right for each other. She's a good person. I'm a good person, but I didn't have the guts to do it. So she did. Yeah. And I think I get set my ways sometimes and I'm just like comfortable is equals happiness so yeah do you think pride gets in the way sometimes too oh yeah for sure yeah like almost viewing it as a loss yeah yeah i I think ego has to do with a lot more than people realize yeah absolutely pride for sure our egos like to show up when we really need them to not be front and center Mm -hmm. we need them to back up yeah we have a hard time especially as men i feel like you know in this society for not looking weak or not 
looking like we're giving up on something, you know, we're going to stick it out, we're going to work through it, especially if you're raised that way, right? Like if your parents are very like, you work through your problems, you stick with it. Yeah, well, sometimes you need to quit. Yeah. And I think especially the way I was raised, it was um, very calculated. I'm a lot like my dad. So like he would always say, you know, make your plan and then, and, and then execute it. And, and then if something doesn't go your way, I, I guess I just wasn't, didn't know what to do. He about didn't that. prepare you for that part of the plan. I mean, he would say, yeah, it's not, not everything's going to go your way, but do everything in your power to have yeah. each, everything calculated. And yeah. so I am wired that way. Some people aren't. Yeah. I have friends that are very spontaneous and go with the flow. I've never been that way. I never yeah. will be that way. Yeah. Just not naturally my style. Well, like you said, you know, you've, it sounds like the older you've gotten, you've embraced that and better understood what that means for you. And when you're in your mid 20s, I don't even know what in your mid 20s really in our modern society is like within your control half the time. Like the world is just a wild place. And if you're dating, you know, you don't control that other person. So you don't know what their wants and needs are. And, you know, you don't control what moves they want to make. And then this mishap happens. And now you're like, well, shit, that wasn't a part of my plan. Exactly. And I also think that for people that do go to college, I feel like college has always, there's been like this promise that as long as you get that degree, like your career will work out. Yeah, which is false. Yeah. <laughs> Highly false. Maybe 50 years ago, that was more true. Like, but a college degree isn't that big of a deal anymore. It's scary. It's scary that it's almost to the equivalent of a high school diploma. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, my dad's a professor, so college was... Um, Mandatory. Pretty much. Yeah. What does he teach? Uh, so he's in human resources. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so I think that's such a good point that... Not that that was the topic of what we were necessarily talking about, but a good point to make that college is n no longer for everybody, nor should you go. It is so expensive. And now it's so competitive. The amount of young people that come out with the same degree as you or similar degrees, we're all vying for the same jobs. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, that I can remember in grad school, so social work is a field that will never go away, at least not in my lifetime or, you know, probably the children's children's lifetime that we're in now. And I remember a professor telling me we're applying for jobs. It's like March, April of the year we're graduating. And our cohort is like starting to apply for jobs and we're talking to a professor. And, you know, some of the cover letters are like, what is your salary asking? So you tell them what you're asking for, which I found interesting. And our professor was like, oh, yeah, like you can expect to make 60K when you get out of grad school. That was totally false information. Yeah. That is not real. Most graduate MSW jobs nowadays, which is scary. It's gotten a little bit better. But there were some jobs that were offering $35,000. That's how, much it how, that's how much it cost me to go to grad school. It is wild. And it's like, who? And we're all vying for the same jobs, right? Mm -hmm. Like, there's like 50 of us graduating. It's a pretty small cohort. And, but we're all going after similar jobs. And there's not enough money and not enough jobs to go around. So it's even worse now. Yeah. Yeah. It's so terrifying. <sighs> so w you get fired. Yep. Got fired. And then, um, which is never fun. I don't even care if you don't like the job and you don't have a big ego, like getting fired is not fun. And I had never been fired. Yeah. Every job I had ever had, I was only there temporarily because I was in school or whatever, and then I'd quit. So 
So I had no experience with this. And this was not just any job. This was the one I had been at. Right. And this was your stable job that was going to give you everything you wanted and you thought you wanted and needed in your life. Yeah. I mean, this was the new career path, right? Like I was going to try to get my private investigator license. Like that, that was where I was going. Can you imagine? That would have been so cool. Yeah. I'd be like, actually Sherlock Holmes. <gasps> yeah. Stop. Okay. Now you have to go back to school. <laughs> yeah. So I, I was like, okay, well m- maybe I'll try this art thing again. Like, well, I forgot I'm, about that. Yeah. I was like, that's <laughs> what I want time on my hands. <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's what I always thought I was going to do anyways. Um, so I'm applying to art jobs and other jobs, yeah. and any job. When you, when you say an art job, like give us a brief, like what is an art job? So pretty much if you want to be within a company, it's going to be more design, graphic design, yeah. which is still a broad field. Yeah, There's a lot of different types of graphic design, but an illustration job where you're an in-house illustrator, like y- you're either in comic books or video games. Yeah. Or like children's books. I feel like uh, not even that, even that. Yeah. Maybe if a big publisher takes you on but penguin or something yeah Yeah. but most of the time that's going to be freelanced project okay it's like contractors come in and do that exactly oh that's wild yeah so it's like a it's contract work which is fine i just don't want to rely on that yeah it's hard you'd have to get your name out there right i um i'm looking into starting to do voiceover work like for cool for audiobooks and it, it that can't be somebody's job unless you do that for a long time it's a side gig, right? Like that's what that's for. Yeah. You, yeah. you need to have a good reputation and right. then the portfolio. And, and I think that's great. I, I applaud people that, that want grind real yeah, hard. Yeah. Yeah. But I just, I wanted to be on a team and, and you want stability, right? And you I, want yeah. stability and predictability and freelance contract work is not always predictable. Yeah, no, definitely not. And finding your projects is its own job yep um but you know i wasn't really having any luck finding any when you were in in raleigh still like applying for all these jobs yeah and and i was i was starting to get in debt at this point um and i was i my savings was dwindling fast and so i was like okay maybe i'll just try to get a job at a gym or something. I've worked at a bunch of gyms. It won't pay that well, but I need something. And uh, then that's when Rachel and I started dating. And Ooh. yeah, but she had moved to Wilmington. So we were kind of doing this like long, mm-hmm. long distance thing. I remember it was always such an exciting time when Rachel was coming to visit. <laughs> You're like, Rachel's coming. Yeah, yeah. And that's when I was like, maybe I'll just move to Wilmington. Because my girlfriend's there and... I got nothing else. I have nothing going on. Like, I have nothing to lose. I'm not finding any work. Um, So, yeah, I I moved to Wilmington. She, you know, agreed to kind of help me financially because I was like, look, I'm broke. (laughs) You're like, I love you and I'm amazing. I promise. I just have no money. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, if you want to go out to dinner, I can't pay for it. (laughs) So, Rachel was holding down this relationship financially. Yeah. Um, yeah. She was a sugar mama for a little while. A little bit, yeah. And uh, I don't know exactly what I was thinking career-wise going to Wilmington without a job because Wilmington's an even smaller market than Raleigh, <laughs> especially if you want a design job. Yeah. It took 
so long. I, I think it was like five months for me to, to find something and so many rejections. And even if I did get an interview, it wouldn't pan out to anything. Yeah. But I did finally get a graphic design job. Not with, Yay! not with my current company, oh. <laughs> but I was so, I was so happy and it was at a sign shop. Um, and so like billboards or, oh yeah, they did everything oh. like car decals, cool. billboards. It, there, it was quite a learning curve. Um, I didn't have a ton of real world experience. And like I said earlier, I was an illustration major. So yeah, I did some graphic design, but that wasn't my major. Yeah, and but they took a chance on you anyway. They, they did, they did, and I was so relieved. And then, like maybe five, six weeks into the job, my boss says, "I'm sorry, you're doing great, but we're gonna have to let you go." Oh my god! <laughs> you like fuck my life. <laughs> like not again. <laughs> and uh, I was like, "Can would you please reconsider?" <laughs> please keep me, dear and, God. And they're like, "We just don't have enough work for you." Oh, so it wasn't you. Um, yeah yeah no they said you're doing well it's just they were a small family-owned place yeah. and i think in hindsight they had a lot of work hired me to get caught up yeah and never really planned on keeping me Ugh. but they didn't paint that picture like that of for course. me well who are what are they gonna do be like we're only needing you for six weeks and we're gonna let you go well i mean yeah i think they could have advertised it as like a seasonal a temp yeah. yeah but they didn't and Rude. They were going to have business cards made for me, and they were going to buy me my own tablet, and <gasps> they, they really were buttering me, buttering me up. And yeah, and yeah so they uh, let me go, and uh, I barely could handle that again. Yeah, well, talk about such a short time to bounce back, right? I mean, how long had it been since, what, six months since you had, well, I guess we'll extend it a little longer, like within a year, you had lost a job, had all this stuff happen, and then lost another job. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and and just even getting interviews was so draining and hard. Yeah, that's a job in itself. Right, and I just think these design jobs are hard to come by. And I, like I said, I didn't have tons of real-world experience. Your portfolio is important in the art world, but I think most companies really want the experience. Yeah. So yeah. it's hard to get someone to just take a chance Isn't on you. Isn't that wild? I need you to have three years experience to have this entry-level job, but no one's going to give you the experience to get said job. Yeah, it's so frustrating. As well. Yeah. Um, so I start applying to jobs again, yes. right? The cycle continues. Um, and then I do finally land my current job. Woohoo! Now we can really party. <laughs> yeah. Although it was not in the design department. <laughs> I I knew... Some people in Wilmington that Rachel worked with, and they told me about this company, and like one of her coworkers' spouse worked there. So it was a little bit of a who you know situation right. that always can help. Absolutely. Um, I get a phone interview. They say we're not hiring designers currently, but we have an opening in as a, a prepress technician, which is you're basically setting up the files to go to print oh. for the magazine. Cool. Yeah, cool, but I'm not designing anything. Yeah. But I knew the software, I could do it. It gets a job. And it was temp. It was seasonal. <sighs> it said this is going to be like for a three-month period. Hours are going to be crazy. Maybe we'll be able to take you on after three months. We'll see. So I'm like, oh, man. That has to be so disheartening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, I don't want a seasonal, but this company sounds amazing. Yeah. 
And in Wilmington, like it's a small beach town. So like everybody knows the good companies. Yeah. So I, I knew this was a good company and, um, I did it. Uh, I worked my ass off like six day hour weeks. Uh, I was like, if anything, I need to make a lot of money yeah. because I might not have a job in a few months. Right. <laughs> and you're going to show them how great of an employee you could be. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Whether was... that's for a reference or for the job at the end of the temp, like something. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, the the three months goes by and then they're like, hey, we, we heard you might have some design experience. We actually have an opening. <gasps> Would you want to apply to be a graphic designer for the design department? And you were like, um, yeah. I, Duh. I was like, yes. Yes, I, yeah. please. Yeah. And they were like, okay, well, you need to do like this uh, software challenge. Um, we need it by Wednesday. And I was like, oh gosh. I didn't have a computer. What day was it? It was Monday. Okay. I was like, we need to know the day. I didn't have a computer at the time. <laughs> so you're like, I'm going to go borrow a computer. Oh no. I bought, I, I was like, I will get this job. I bought a used MacBook Pro there off Amazon. Okay. And made sure to get prime shipping, <laughs> get, get the get the laptop, do the software exam, which took several hours. Wow. And then I got the offer. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Talk about like so heartwarming. It, it felt amazing because I was like, I'm finally a graphic designer. Like I'm finally doing what I'm supposed to do. And, you know, I've been there five years. I love it just as much as I did in the beginning. And I think a big thing, a big reason I know it's a good fit for me is you'll probably, you know this term with your psychology background, but um, having like a flow state, experiencing flow, I have that every day where I'm just like completely lose track of time. I'm just Mm -hmm. tunnel vision, totally in love with what I'm doing, fully engaged. I never had that before. Yeah. And that's what people dream about. When, yeah. when we tell people, it won't be work if you love what you do, this is what people think about. Exactly. And that's so cliche. And if you've never experienced it, you probably think it's bullshit. But uh, no, I do not live for the weekend. I don't hate Mondays. Um, every day is a good day. I love going to work, even though it just means walking 10 feet <laughs> to the the guest room where my office is. Yeah. That that's also a good thing too. I love working from home. Yes. Some people don't. It's not for everyone. No. But it, in your world, if because what you do is so engrossing, it works for you. It does. Yeah. And and I'm not I'm I'm an introvert, uh, so I don't You're crawl, a feely human. Yeah, I don't crawl yourself. out of my skin having to be stuck in the house all day. Yeah. But I know other people that they would hate that. Oh yeah, absolutely. But this was a the dream job you'd been thinking about and being told you could get since you went to school to be an artist. Yeah. Or maybe even before that, since you were young, like you're going to get a job in this field. Yeah. I mean, that was because that's what that's what Tyler does. He's the art kid. I mean, that was me my whole life. I, you know, designed like the T-shirt for my fifth grade class or something. That is wild. Do you still have that? Yeah. Maybe. Like, I did not keep my first piece. It it might be in a closet somewhere in my parents' house. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) And then, you know, through all of this, too, you did not mention your... um, Why can't I talk? You did not mention your coloring book. Okay. Sorry. So... Don't apologize. Let's back up a little. (laughs) So, the the coloring book was right in the middle of the low point where I was unemployed and 
you know, couldn't go anywhere, couldn't drive, all that. Yeah. I never thought the coloring book would make me any money per se. I just desperately needed a project, something uplifting, something to keep my mind going. And so the coloring book was important because it sparked that that creative love back mm-hmm. back in me. It was the only drawing or any art related thing I had done really in years. Wow. And it's a lot. I mean, this was intricate adult coloring book drawings. Yeah, it took forever. I remember I used to stay up till like two in the morning doing these pages. And I actually think I did start it before I lost my job. So I would go to work, come home, stay up till like two in the morning. I pretty much think I knew in hindsight that yeah. like the, this end, was like the your, end was coming. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, your subconscious was like, you need to do something else. Yeah, I wasn't. Because you're going to leave here. I wasn't surprised when I got fired. Because I, I just yeah. knew I was on the chopping block. And so, yeah, the coloring book was my side yeah. project. You know, not to, I'm trying to think of a better term to use here that's not so maybe religious, but kind of like your saving grace. I mean, this was a thing that kept you going. Yeah. No, I think that's a good term. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got this wonderful job that you've been at for five years now and you love it. You wake up every workday, more or less, and look forward to going to work. That's pretty incredible. I do. When you look back and think about what you just shared with us, did any part of you think that that would never happen? In terms of getting a design career? And being happy. Um, hmm. Yeah, maybe. I, I do think when I was at that previous job, I was kind of on autopilot. Um, and I, I think I would justify it by saying, well, I can always do freelance work. And that will be my way of, of using my talent. Skills, yeah. yeah. And that will have to do. Yeah, you were going to settle. Oh, for sure. I was, yeah, I was settling yeah. in, until everything tumbled and it was sink or swim. Yeah. And so now you don't have to settle. No. No. So it's a good takeaway, right? That in the moment when everything has fallen apart, you may feel like you're never going to get to the top of that mountain or get to wherever it is you see yourself being, whether that's professionally, personally, all the above. And then now you just said you looked back over the last you know, seven years of your life and you are exactly where you wanted to be. It's hard. Yeah, it was. Yeah, but you made it. Finally made it. Yeah. How are you today? I'm wonderful. Yeah? Yeah. Good? Very good. Good. Yeah, we're glad to have you in Raleigh. As, as y'all heard that Tyler doesn't live in the Raleigh area, so it's always really nice when they come up to visit. Tyler, you mentioned a little bit about how you weren't working out at that time, which really would have been helpful for you to take care of yourself. What are you doing now to take care of yourself? What have you realized you need to do in order to be taking care of yourself when things aren't going well? So... I realized that work-life balance is definitely something that's very important to me. And fitness is a way for me to, it has a, an effect that makes every other aspect of my life healthy. So when I'm working out, I also want to eat better. I want to get better sleep. Um, I want to make sure that I'm not working too long of hours. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's just this all around healthy lifestyle. Um, 
self-reflection is is important to me as well i i always kind of check myself and be like is this really is this a good idea is this good for you um my support my wife she's amazing my friends they're amazing um yeah it's i think it's it's really important to surround yourself with people that make you better yeah I had somebody tell me the other day, it probably was Josh, now that I'm thinking about it, but, you know, the people that you surround yourself with are a reflection, you know, of yourself and your well-being. And so if you're surrounded by people that are also happy and thriving and doing things to take care of themselves, one would think that that trickle-down effect would happen, right? And you would start doing those things. Yeah. And, yeah. Or you could be lifted up by those people if you're feeling really down. Yeah. That's yeah. why they say misery loves company. Because you'll find it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you will seek out people to be miserable with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really hard to be really miserable when everyone around you is not miserable. <laughs> yeah, and and probably if you are the Debbie Downer, they're not going to want to hang out with you much longer. Which is sad, right? Because those are the people that really need people, but it's True. so hard. It's so hard to stick around people that suck the life out of a room. Exactly, yeah. You know, as a clinician, I can absolutely understand that I work with many young people nowadays not just young people but it's majority young younger people that have been impacted by covid in this isolating way so they don't have a strong friend group and they're miserable and so trying to find people when you already don't feel really great is really hard yeah yeah it's awful so we work out we eat well we've got the dog we've got rachel we've got friends good job you know like you said work-life balance and also it sounds like working a job that doesn't make you hate your life like there are periods in your life and many people I hope can relate to that, unfortunately, but I hope they can, that we've worked jobs for intermittent periods because we had to, but we don't stay. Don't stay somewhere that makes you hate your life and makes you only live for the weekend. There's got to be a better job. Even if it's just one degree better, there's got to be something else. I totally agree, but I do want to sympathize, sympathize, sympathize with people that Say, well, I've got to pay my bills. Absolutely. I, I have kids to feed, et cetera. I have debt. Sometimes you got to work. Absolutely. Just, just to get by. But I really think everybody's meant to do something that is their calling. And so try, try to make that happen. Yeah. Well, even like you said, you know, I absolutely agree. I mean, I can remember working jobs that I picked up to make extra cash, you know, have jobs on the side. And if that's, you know, if you get some downtime from that, maybe keep looking at other jobs that at least make you a little bit happy. If you if you have to work, you know, if you're going to a job that is miserable, your bosses are micromanaging, you don't feel safe and secure at your job, can you find another job that at least pays the same, if nothing else, but is not as miserable as where you're working? Yeah, because life's too short to work at a job that makes you hate your life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I agree with you. I think there's a job for everybody. You know, there are people that work in jobs that maybe those that other people wouldn't want, like janitorial staff or fast food workers or gas station workers. But there are some people that love that. We, if anyone is ever in the Raleigh area and goes to this gas station over by us, we these two gentlemen work here. If you ever go in there, they love their job. At least I hope they at least pretend like they do because they are so nice and they talk to everybody that comes in and they're like, you know, like, hi, sweetie, like, how's your day? Like, oh, I see you're getting this. Like, those, like, they just, they're so kind and they talk to you and it's like, okay, well, at least this person hopefully is making the best out of their job, even if it wouldn't be the job for everybody. I think they probably do because it will, if they're anything like me, if you hate something, you can't really fake, <laughs> fake it. 
I could fake it for maybe a couple days and yeah. then it would be real obvious that I hated it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Tyler, what is a word or a phrase that you choose to live by lately or something that's been inspiring for you? So there's this quote by Napoleon Hill and it is, a goal is a dream with a deadline. And this spoke to me because I had a dream, but I didn't have the deadline. So then it wasn't, it wasn't a goal. Yeah. It, like it, 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 how could it come to fruition? Right. Right. I wasn't taking action. And, and that, for me, someone who loves to research and plan, but not necessarily make any moves, it really speaks to me. And I had to land on my ass to make a move, but I don't regret it. I mean, it got me here. Yeah, I love that. A goal is a dream with a deadline. Mm-hmm. I love that. As somebody who, if you want to talk about our feelings, as somebody who's a Pisces and lives in La La Land in their head a lot, I'm a big dreamer. It's funny that you say that because many of my dreams, I don't know that will ever come to fruition. Like I had a dream that for my birthday, I would have a flash mob. That's not going to happen. I've given up on that. Maybe one day. But most of the dreams that I, you know, see myself doing or envision myself because I have a very um, imaginative mind, I become goals. This podcast was a goal because I wanted to reach more people and I had a dream of talking to a lot of people and getting to know people and sharing their stories. So then I had to turn it into something. If I just kept dreaming about that, I'd probably look back in 30 years and be really upset I didn't do anything about it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, look, you're doing it. Yeah. Multiple seasons. It took action, though. Yeah. Well, and thank you to Josh, because if, if I didn't have him and all this equipment and editing stuff, I don't know where I'd be with all that. But you made it happen. I did. It's very exciting. Tyler, anything that you feel like would be helpful? We're going to leave the link to the coloring book. You are kind of opening yourself up to freelance work. So maybe we'll put that out there. In the show notes as well. Uh, yeah, no, it's never never off the table. Okay. Yeah, if y'all can think back to, if y'all did listen to Rachel's episode on season five, we talked about a picture that was in the background when we, when we were recording, and it's of their previous dog, Brody, and Tyler painted that. And it is insane. It's insane. You know, I, I think I had said we were going to tag that, and I need to put that up on uh, social media as well for y'all to see because it's pretty amazing. It looks like a photograph. Yeah, I have some other um, commission pieces that I can share. A lot of dog paintings for whatever reason. Because we're obsessed with our animals. Yeah, nobody wants their kids or anything. They're just like, <laughs> no, I just want my dog. Just, I have enough pictures of my children just for dog, please. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, that's what our house will be is just the animals. We have a professional photo done of Jasmine. It'd be really cool to get it painted instead of uh, the back, like the picture printed out. I'm game. That'd be wild. She, we did headshots and Jasmine has a headshot hilarious we're clearly obsessed tyler thank you so so much for being here today and for sharing about a time in your life when you clearly would have responded with i've been better because i can sit here and i'm running through all these memories in my head while we've been talking just about i can remember you being down and yet still very much you like you were down but you still very much like you said focused on your friends and things that made you happy and we really tried to make sure that you didn't give up on yourself too and i appreciate that you guys were also my saving grace for sure yeah well we love you and we're grateful for you please take care of yourself today and beyond today thank you tyler thanks
Thank you for listening to I've Been Better. I'm your host, Susan Youngstead. Please be sure to leave a review and subscribe wherever you consume podcasts and follow us on social media at I've Been Better dot pod.